This is the Bob McCown Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Richard Deitch in for Bob today. Richard, I got to tell you, um, you know, I dog days of summer maybe, but I I will tell you right now, I have missed Major League Baseball for the last two nights. And it's somebody, when, when you take it for granted, and it's not there, and you're saying, well, I'd like to watch a baseball game tonight, and there was nothing of a baseball manner to watch on Wednesday and Thursday. I feel the same way. Uh, Blue Jays, for uh, for our family, become destination viewing. It's great when you live in a city where you're getting competitive games. And like you, John, I, I felt the withdrawal. I was I turned on Sportsnet looking for the Blue Jays, and I didn't find it. So I'm glad they're back. I actually had to go to the MLB website to say, no games on Thursday, too? Come on. That's not right. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll hopefully uh, try to change that and give you a fix of baseball. Scott MacArthur talks about all-star games, talks about the Blue Jays, talks about what's going on and a couple of other surprising teams in Major League Baseball on the McCowan podcast. Back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Richard in for Bob right now. Joined by Scott MacArthur. Scotty, welcome. Welcome back. John, Richard, it's uh, always great to be on. So before I I let Richard get into his uh, minutiae about baseball, <laughs> uh, to tell me, um, what did you think of the All-Star game? What did you think of the home run derby? What would you like to fix? Or is it is it perfect the way it is? Well, it's obviously a, a nice little boon for Vladdy to have shown as as well as he did. and And I'm not a big believer in a moment like that necessarily carrying something forward into the second half of the season. But I think any Blue Jays fan would tell you that they would have absolutely no problem with Vladdy hitting a bunch of home runs down the stretch. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but just envision, just envision five or six different games between now and the end of the season where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes up with two runners on base and hits a bomb. Mm. That theoretically turns a 3-2 deficit into a 5-3 lead. You hold that lead, you win that game. Like that sort of performance from Vladdy in regular season baseball could be the difference between making the playoffs and not making it for the Blue Jays. Um, so the Derby is fun. I, I do look, you know, they've changed the rules and I don't want to be curmudgeon guy, but I will just say generally it always drags for me. So I never stay with it for the full shot. The game itself, I still enjoy, but at the risk of sounding like P someone who is our age guys, there used to be something unique about seeing Dave Steeb and Jack Morris in either their respective home or visitor jerseys standing mm -hmm. side by side during player announcements. There used to be something really unique about seeing Tony Gwynn because he played for the San Diego Padres late at night and their games were never on in this area. We heard about this guy. We saw still photographs, but we never really got to see him play. Um, that's all gone now and, and probably for the better because we have access to footage everywhere on our phones. What I would like is for during the all-star game, 
the players to go back to wearing their team jerseys because the NHL, the NBA, uh, the NFL, they've got the league specific or conference specific jerseys. I always thought it was cool when, when you'd see the ball players wearing their jerseys. And in fact, because I'm not like a devout Colorado Rockies fan, I'll raise my hand. Like I don't recognize the Rockies player who ended up being the game MVP <laughs> unless I see his Colorado Jersey, which I didn't, you know? So it's just, it's stuff like that, but overall it's a fun week and it's especially fun for the host city. All of these events typically are. Yeah. So Scott hit on a lot of stuff that uh, I'll try to follow. First of all, what a, a Sportsnet reunion here, just for a lot less salary between the three of us, but very exciting to see two of you. And by the way, I was thrilled that Scotty, I, I was thrilled that Scotty said we were all the same age. So that to me, I I feel much better about that. <laughs> by the way, Richard, I I'm not going to talk for John here, but you must be speaking for yourself for far less salary. I mean, <laughs> not not per the paper, not per the fine print. Yeah, I know. As, as they as they say in wrestling, John Scott just put you over. Uh, so it's interesting, Scott, that you say that because um. I am absolutely with you on the jerseys, and some people may think, oh, this is just like, uh, yeah, old man yelling at a crowd. Who cares? But it's not. The The thing about the Major League All-Star game is because interleague play now is mm-hmm. not unique, one of the only killer apps that they have is the jersey, is that like that photo, that optic makes that game unique. It kind of makes it interesting. And when you, in a total just merchandise grab, try to create some new uniform, um, you lose what is, I think, the connector between the past. When this game, and again, as someone who writes about media, like I can tell you, in the 70s, this game in the United States drew in the 30 millions. In 1988, it drew 26 million. Even in the late 90s, still drawn 18, 19 million. This past game, lowest All-Star game watched in history, just to tick over 7 million. Again, I'm only talking to the United States now on Fox. I don't know what it did on Sportsnet, to be honest. And so the reality of the game is that it's going to continue to drop in viewers because, one, kids today don't watch two and a half hours of baseball. It's just the reality of it. Cord cutting exists, right? And again, it's just not unique. Like we'll, this weekend for the Jays, we're going to see the Diamondbacks. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we get to see them. It's not a unique thing. So I'm with Scott in that, like, anything that can sort of provide some kind of connector to when this game really felt like the most significant thing ever, you know, Pete Rose running into Ray Fossey or whatever, like those kind of famous Reggie Jackson hitting some 500-foot home run, Major League Baseball has to take advantage of that. And the frustrating thing about Major League Baseball is they'll do things like the rule changes, which are phenomenal. It makes the game so much more pleasurable and watching. And then they'll take a step back or two steps back with that kind of decision or putting all their playoff games in 50 different uh, television places. So it's hard to follow. Um, So again, and John, I'll turn to you. Like some people may think, Oh, Scott is just being like, he's so in the weeds on this stuff. It's not the case. And if you follow it on social media, there are thousands of people who are like, I miss the old jerseys. I don't know who these players are. Like, why are you Mm -hmm. not, why are you not including these, these jerseys? Go ahead, Scott. Well, just before you jump in, John, like, let me ask a theoretical question here. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Whitmerfe, whoever, Jordan Romano, you're a Blue Jays fan, and you want to buy an all-star specific jersey for your favorite player, whoever of the Blue Jays that went to the game it was. Mm -hmm. Would you rather buy a white, because American League was the home team this year, a white Blue Jays Romano jersey with an all-star game patch on one of the sleeves? Or would you rather buy whatever it was they were wearing on Tuesday night? Right. Uh, I would rather buy the Blue Jays jersey. If I, if I was still jersey guy, and I come from the Mark Pryor, Sammy Sosa, like, those are the jerseys I have, because I was jersey guy 22 years ago. I got Matt Sundin, Darcy Tucker, and Brian McCabe. Okay, so I stopped being jersey guy at some point. You got three-fifths of the Muskoka fine. 
<laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yeah, you mail me the Coverlay jersey, John. I'll I'll send you my address. Um, but you, but like, you know what I mean? So so I would rather buy the Blue Jays jersey because I'm a Blue Jays fan. I'm not a an American or national exactly. Fan, right. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, you know next year with the completely balanced schedule, you know, and with everything changing, I mean. Two, three years from now, expansion coming, the American League and the National League are going to disappear. Yeah. You know, are we going to have the good, you know, we're just going to have good guys versus bad guys? How are we going to, you know, I mean, not that it's a, a problem, but, you know, it's funny because Richard, as you were talking about, you know, the 26 million people that watched the, the All-Star game or the 30 million, you know, the, the two iconic moments in, 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 in All-Star history for me was Reggie Jackson Hitting the, I, mean, I remember where I was sitting when Reggie Jackson hit it off the roof at Tiger Stadium, right. um, and then Pete Rose and Ray Fossey, right? Yep. Two two events that I don't think we'll ever see happen again like that. I mean, that's the that's the fascination, and 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 that's when the, you know, when there was a rivalry between the two leagues, when there was something to put on the table that says, I mean, I grew up as a, I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up as a National League kid. I didn't like the American League. I liked the National League. I liked the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I liked the Giants a heck of a lot more than I liked the Dodgers as a child. And like the way I and I I was loyal to the end with the way the National League played the game with the pitcher hitting with right. the the manager having a few more chess pieces to play the game with. In, in trying to decide when to pull the pitcher out and if to pull the pitcher out at a, at a certain point. But now it's all, it's, it is one league, it's one, one office. And, you know, I think that they, they've lost something and I, I don't know how they're going to recapture any of that particular, these, you know, so-called national events. They're not. Um, the, the reality is like the sort of, as Scott said, it really in many ways just becomes an event for the home ballpark. And that's good though. Like you want to reward Seattle. I think it'll be in Toronto in a couple of years. And I think it'll be incredible to see that. What is interesting about all this is that there was a belief among those who sort of pay attention to media that this would be the first year the home run derby would outdraw the game, that more people would watch the derby because it's those numbers are getting closer and closer. It didn't happen this year. The derby also went down. But I do think in terms of like interest, and I think this has to do with like Generation Z and millennials and Gen Y and sort of younger, the Derby is more appealing for them. Um, I, I just I think it's it's a little faster, like a metabolism. It's highlight oriented. So they get into it. And although this year we had some injuries about it, the prospect of like the best players, you know, Otani, Trout, Judge, Guerrero. Like the prospect is like they'll be in it and they'll be in it for 20 minutes where in the all-star game, right? It's like, you know, Boba maybe gets an at bat, maybe makes a nice play in the field and, and that's it. So I do think major league baseball like has something with that home run derby. Some might say like the rules are a little convoluted. You can't understand it, but as long as like the best players are still committed to that, I do think they have a pretty cool event in that. But John, to your point, like, I, I don't think there's an all-star, if you want to call it this, there's not a fix. Like no. they tried the home field advantage. It like sort of petered out. It, there's not really anything I think that's just going to make, make it more appealing. I think you just play the game and it, it's still the most watched all-star game, but I, I don't think anything is happening in the next 15, 10, five years. That's just going to make it more popular. I think it just is. But it's, a, it's the most watched all-star game. I think for one very, very important reason, it's the only thing on television. It helps. It, it, you know, when you think about when, I mean, did the pro the Pro Bowl was flag football this year, wasn't it? They changed I think it, it was to flag, like flag a football. So, anyway, so I'm not sure that counts anymore. But when the NBA All-Star Game is on and when the NHL All-Star Game are on, there are other sports and other viewings right. at that time of year to watch. If, I, if, if it's NHL All-Star Weekend, I can actually – you know, it's still during the NFL playoffs the last couple of years, and it's still during the NBA season. You could watch it. Same thing with with the NBA. It, you know, this is such a downtime for viewership 
that there, I mean, I last night, you know, I, I'm, I had to watch British drama, you know, detective movies. I, I didn't want to watch, I wanted to watch a baseball game last night. Now I did watch a little CFL and, you know, I'm, I might be a, an anomaly in this in this country right now watching the cfl hamilton yeah, versus edmonton how about, but, how about a little love for the global jam john i mean like you know let's watch some basketball yeah. i am only on. I, I only watch because i'm amazed that that our pal matt devlin is still working with a broken foot so that's uh <laughs> but you scott did you watch anything yesterday in sports i didn't want no and obviously yeah. the espies were on uh the other night so espn uh they do they R do R that every was earlier in the day if you're in attendance too yeah but john i was going to say to you I mean, if you're up on the British detective shows, you got to get a Brit yeah. box. Oh, you got to get a Brit box subscription, man. They, they Scotty, don't, wor don't, don't worry, man. Stop on that side of the ocean. Brit box, acorn. Don't worry, man. We got it all here. Oh, you got, we got John, it all here. John, John, honestly, John has access, Scott, to like Sri Lankan cable. I mean, his his <laughs> his ability to get stuff is incredible. He sees it all. <laughs> yeah, you got you got the yeah, one Watch of those it. magic boxes that shall yeah. not be mentioned. I, I can't. I, I no comment. No no comment. What's whatsoever. So anyway, back to back to baseball. Um, I I just wonder that. You I mean the the whole? And it's funny you because the, the the what you talked about, Scott, about the uniforms. To me, to see the whites of all the American league on Tuesday night would have been so cool. Mm -hmm. And would the grays so of the national and the grays of the national league, but let's face it. Grays don't exist very much anymore. Fair I point. mean, everybody's, everybody's wearing dark colors. Everybody's, I mean, I could not decide if the national league was wearing blue tops with black pants. I think it was, I think it was, cause I actually stopped. I, 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 the, the color schemes were a little different uh, than I imagined. Now that's that's being picky, but I I, it was I, I a would bit like of an to homage see... to the Mariners, right? Like yes, the blue it, and that as it as as it has green. become, yeah. but it, but as it has become. But yeah. but at the end of the day, it's just a merch play. They're just yeah. trying to sure get. More... And I, again, I, I don't blame you for that. Like I understand the premise behind it. I just think for this specific game, I, I think it's a bad decision. If you want to play the merch game. Have the Blue Jays have like 15 different uniforms during the year if you want to do that. But like they actually have something very cool in this game that I think they gave up. Well, but guys, remember, things have kind of flipped. They used to wear American and National League jerseys on home run derby night. And and the competitors yeah. in the derby would obviously be the ones who are front facing for that product. But then the cameras would always pan dugout side where the non-participants and their family and typically their little kids are running around you saw those jerseys exactly all the time and richard is as you said the ratings for the derby and the game are getting relatively close right. so you're seeing that jersey if you wear it on monday night people are seeing that would be seeing that jersey as much as they would be seeing team jerseys on tuesday during the game I know, now, I, the, like, if I'm if I'm a curmudgeon, I'm a curmudgeon. I I just miss it, and maybe I'm longing for my youth. I I have no idea. I can reconcile that with my therapist. I just I just think it's a, I just think it's a loss. The, la the, a loss. the last one I want to bring up to both you guys. I'll, I'll turn it to Scott after this. Is the other thing I think they should do for this weekend is they should play the futures game like mm. at this event or or like I, I think they they've made some bad decisions of making the MLB draft on this same weekend because it gets lost. And actually that's something I'd be really interested in because I don't know enough about the prospects and I'd like to learn them. But the one thing that seems like such a layup would be prior to whether it's the Derby or the all-star game, have like the best minor leaguers like in front of me, it would be such a great right. showcase for the sport because all these guys are going to be in the major leagues in the next one or two or three years. Like, um, you know, I don't know how they choose this, but like, I would love to see like Jackson Holiday play. Like, I've never seen that guy play. Mm -hmm. I've never, uh, I've never seen Ricky Tiedemann pitch live. Like, that would be so interesting to me. Um, and I'm really surprised that they, they haven't figured out a way to make that like, like nationalize that on their showcase because it's like it is one 
like the reality is like for the Pro Bowl, you're not getting the best college football players like before the Pro Bowl, right? And like you're not. No, getting, we used to get that at the All Star Game in Chicago. Do you remember that? Right, right. And you're not getting like for the for the NBA, like you're not getting like the best G League or Kentucky University of Kentucky players. But baseball actually can do it. Baseball, because of the minor league system, Scott can like do this, and I think that's a big missed opportunity. Well, yeah, and just on the Ricky Tiedemann point, I, I think the Blue Jays would be thrilled, Richard, if. In any venue, you got an opportunity to see Ricky Tiedemann actually throw a pitch in the near future because he's been injured for two months. Um, you know, he's one of their top prospects. So it's a it's a, it's a worrisome thing, biceps inflammation, and not something you can necessarily surgically fix. So that's a, that's a digression. That's an aside. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The, the other component here is that if I am a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft, if I am a first-round draft pick in the NBA draft, and and to be more specific, a top half of the first-round uh, NBA draft pick or NHL draft pick, I am expected to contribute to my team this coming season. Mm-hmm. In Major League Baseball, I could be in the minor leagues for three, four or five years before you hear my name again, if you're not somebody who follows your favorite team's farm system and prospect lists and, and all of that. So the draft is important in the sense that, especially in the first round, you're hoping to land a guy who ends up being a guy for you down the road. But the key phrase of that is down the road. Like Jackson holiday seems like a lock. If you look at his numbers at Double A right now, Matt's son, he's got a younger brother who's coming too, who's apparently even better. So here's to the Holiday family. They'll be worth a billion dollars combined by the time their careers are all over. Um, but Jackson Holiday, for as good as he is, is still toiling in the minor leagues. Like Chris Bryant with the Cubs, he got drafted in, uh, I want to say it was 13 and was up in 15. That's pretty quick. Like for yeah. every John Olerud who never played a minor league game, there are essentially everybody else who does, right? So the draft is important and it's a spectacle and they want to copy the NFL, NBA, NHL, but it doesn't have that same vibe because you're not going to see that kid that got drafted on April 1st the following year. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, it, it, uh, that was actually going to be my next topic is how realistic is it to compare, but there's somebody in an office in New York that says, hey, it's great content. You yep. know, we need content. We got to sell content. And there's, a, and there's a business partner in ESPN who have had great success with other drafts, right? Let's yep. face it. The, you know, the, the, the NFL draft has become, is it, I think it's a three-day event now, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's, one, it's, it's one of their most important television productions of the year. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 the, and uh, Richard and I have talked about the differences and the, the contrast between the NBA draft and the NHL draft, and both have a place, um, and both have you know have have been to the point where we're creating content. Again, I I've told the story many times on this show that I still remember when Mark Millier and and Steve Dryden pulled me aside somewhere when I was at the NHL and said we'd like to we'd like to televise the draft lottery, and I thought they were crazy. <laughs> you, you'd like to what? Yeah. Well, we'd like we'd like to. Well, I say, but you know, it's not as if four ping pong balls come out and it says, you know, it's not like a real lottery that I got to compare my four numbers and I can win. There's a, there's a giant matrix. We don't care. We, we think we can make content out of something. And, and, you know, most of the, some of the times it works, you know, the McDavid year, it works. Uh, the Bedard year, it almost worked. You know, there's a bit of a, uh, the Matthews a year. On. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so there is something to be said, but baseball's draft is long and arduous and you 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 can't in a in a in a society that is so instant Hmm. you know there's the guy he's going to be with my team next year it just doesn't happen in baseball so it's difficult to measure well and the other thing and we're probably we're probably talking about things that have been talked about because it's just it it's ingrained in life now i don't I don't need to make anything appointment viewing because I can be out and yeah. checking my phone. 
You know, I got the I got the DAZN app, guys, specifically for the NFL, uh, because anybody who knows me well knows that I am a complete and helpless lunatic for three hours every Sunday in the fall when the 49ers are playing. I'm I'm just I am not a normal human being. Don't be around me. Um, but if I have to be out for a reason and I don't think I can avoid score updates or or what have you i will pull out my phone and i will stream the niners on the zone and be halfway anti-social as i continue to look down at my device you know so so the idea too that we we sort of have appointments with the television uh those still exist but they're not nearly as fixed as they used to be well and hence there's Always discussions that, and this week it's about uh, what Disney's going to do with ESPN. They might have, you know, might decide to sell it off or a little, right. a little bit, sell a bit of it off. So we, hey, listen, we got to take a a break. Maybe we'll uh, focus a little bit on the uh, on the Toronto Blue Jays. Is not the second half of the season, but uh, the second half since the All Star break. It's Scott MacArthur, Richard Deitch, and John Shannon on the McCallan Podcast. Back after this. MacArthur, Deitch, and Shannon on the McCowan podcast. Bob's still on the IR. Uh, Scotty, we, we talked about Tiedemann being out. Uh, have you heard anything um, in the last 48, 72 hours on uh, Jordan Romano since his tweak in the All-Star game? It doesn't sound serious, and and thank goodness for that. I, I think it's one of those things, guys, where it happens, and it's not serious in the moment. And Jordan's thinking, I'm in an all-star game. <laughs> like, this this game doesn't count in the standings for the Toronto Blue Jays, and this kind of sort of doesn't feel right. I don't need to push through this and create a 10-day IL stint or a, you know, because when it's down there, lower left back, like, you can get into the oblique. You can get into other core issues. Why, why risk it? So I think very smartly... Uh, and much to his own disappointment, but very smartly, he played it safe and mm-hmm. and got himself out of there. So, I mean, he and you know athletes, they love to compete, and you know how much it means to these guys, especially a guy like Jordan, who toiled in the Blue Jays minor league system forever, got exposed in the Rule 5 draft after five years in the system, got picked up, ditched by the Texas Rangers back to Toronto. And now all of a sudden he's a guy like he's been through the grind. These moments matter to him. Plus he's a Toronto area kid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so good for him to play it smart and let's just hope he's okay. Cause he's crucial to what this team is trying to do. The, um, the second, yeah, it's so weird to call it the second half. Cause we have indeed passed the second half, but um, you know, we're at a point now where if you're covering this team, you know, you start to um, you start to think about pieces on, okay, what do they need to do? Should they make a deal prior to the August 1st deadline? You know, what, where is this team realistically as we sort of head forward to the stretch? I just read my colleague, Caitlin McGrath, who sort of like sort of examined some of this in the athletic. Uh, and one of the things that stood out to me um, that's been interesting about this team, and I think everybody knows this, is um, they have struggled significantly when it comes to runners in scoring position. And their record in division is awful. And that's really been the story of the year. If you, you know, it's interesting. If you flipped, and this would be asking a lot, but if you flip their record against the Red Sox and the Orioles, they'd be in first place. You know what I mean? That's how bad they've done it. I think they're one in 12 against those two. So I think the team is good. And I do think it's a postseason team, Scott. The real question to me is one, how do you calculate what you hope or expect from Manoa versus reality in terms of do you need additional pitching help? So that's part one. And then part two, I do think the lineup could use some improvements. And here's my but. But those improvements could come from a better second half from Vladdy and a much better second half from Kirk. So it's kind of interesting in that you could leave everything as is and have it a phenomenal second half, but there's a big risk in not doing anything. So if you're Atkins, Shapiro, et cetera, how do you, how do you examine, how do you examine this right now? 
I'll tell you this, Richard, if I'm going to answer that question, I better have Shapiro's and Atkins salary. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, but they're the ones they're the ones tasked with this. And I I think the way you laid it out, because I was going to as you were talking, I was going to answer your question with a question. So I will still do that because I think it's an interesting jumping off point. Are you both comfortable with the idea that Alec Manoa and Hyunjin Ryu can join this rotation? And we know Manoa's come back, so Ryu can join this rotation and make it six. Hope for health because, goodness, they have had wonderful luck in the starting rotation with health in the first half, and and it would be great if that could continue. But if I said they would have six starting pitchers without acquiring anybody from the outside. Are you okay with those six? My short answer is yes, John. No, I, I again, I, I am happy if they can stay healthy. Yeah. Because okay. that's, that really, that's really that, that, because I'm not convinced there was anything physically wrong with Manoa um, more than anything. But that's really one of the great stories of this club this year is the health of their starting pitching, isn't it? Well, it's been, yeah, I mean, they, they've been extremely fortunate. I think it was, I want to say it was the 2016 team that had similar luck and that they essentially went one through five all season long. So if you get mm-hmm. that, like embrace it and take advantage of it because it doesn't happen very often. My point is, is the notion of maybe a six-man rotation to take some of the wear and tear off of Gosman, to take some of the wear and tear off of the Barrios and the uh, Bassets of the world. And that allows Hyunjin Ryu, who is coming off a very serious injury, Tommy John surgery, and who always has preferred, especially because he had extensive shoulder trouble when he was a Dodger, has always preferred the extra day's rest. If Ryu becomes a guy who throws 75 pitches for you in five innings every sixth game, that's Mm -hmm. pretty good. And Alec Manoa, it would be the cherry on the cherry on the whipped cream on the ice cream in this Sunday if he somehow reverted to 2022 form. But he doesn't need to because Gosman's an ace and Barrios is pitching really well again, if Manoa can just go out there and give up two, three, or four runs in five and a third or six innings every sixth day and not walk the world and not wreck the bullpen, that's all you need. In fact, save the the bullpen, in fact. Let's let's face it. Right. Like you can't have the problem became it was Kikuchi last year. It was Manoa earlier this year. You can't have a starting pitcher every fifth day requiring the bullpen to get 22 outs to get you through the game. That just that just destroys you. Right. Because you can't build that back up unless you get a complete game or something close to it the next night. So if if they can go six man and have these guys be effective enough to let. Hopefully the offense um, find itself a little bit and carry the day, then th- that problem gets solved internally. I think the bullpen is also an interesting conversation because what will Chad Green be? He's coming off serious injury too. And so sometimes, you know, when you've had a significant arm issue, it isn't that there's pain or residuals in that way when you first return, but it's that you're not necessarily commanding your stuff. And that can take time. So if Green comes into the bullpen and is stout and and Nate Pearson, who is a flamethrower with a pretty good offset of a breaking pitch, if Nate Pearson can somehow locate it a little better and fool guys a little more so that not a lot of outs are 398 feet, as they seem to be, um, they, they may have something there and then they can focus on on the lineup. Because, Richard, I am less comfortable with buying into the notion that Alejandro Kirk is just going to find it. And that's no disrespect to Kirk. It's just that he's such a young player. I don't, I, I need to see it before I believe it. And back to what I said off the hop here, 
um, in the first segment, if if you're just joining, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. needs to have moments mm. this in the final 70-some games here. Moments. First and second, second and third, one out or two out. You're down two to one. You're down three to two. It's the sixth inning, so it's probably his second to last at bat of the game. Hit one out. Two to one becomes four to two. Three to two becomes five to three. Bullpen, Swanson, Mesa, Chad Green, Nate Pearson, Jordan Romano lock it down. A loss becomes a win. Yeah. And they need about five or six of those, I think, to differentiate. And Vladdy doesn't have to be Vladdy every time, but Vladdy's the guy I'm isolating on because, man, we got to see some bop in that bat. The, the thing, I, I mean, obviously, I agree with everything you just said. The, 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 the problem for me, I'm actually less worried like you about the pitching than I am about the hitting because I'm actually really, I, I believe Ryu and Manoa are going to have, I certainly believe Manoa is going to have a, a good second half. And I think Ryu can be effective, at least based on everything I've read. He's also a smart pitcher and uh, velocity has never really been his thing anyway. So I think he'll, he'll be fine. They have too many, or they've, I should say they've had too many at bats this year, which are two automatic outs and Kirk Varsho, Brandon Belt at different times, although he's certainly been hot. Uh, Chapman. Chapman. The, the, if two of those guys could could get it together, it's a whole different lineup. And then the real question for me is, okay, and like Scott's saying, you know, Kirk's a young guy. You don't necessarily guarantee it. So is there a is there a hitter out there on um on a on a lousy team that's gonna let's say be a free agent at the end of the year that you can essentially get as a rental for cheap? The Merrifield deal is incredible. Actually, in hindsight, that's been a great deal. So my thought is, is there anybody out there? like similar to Merrifield on, on a team that's not very good, who you can get for essentially nothing, and that would give your bat a little bit of juice. I haven't done scanned enough of the league to know that, but that's what I would look for. Right, and I, I think the complicating factor there, because our tendency, Richard, would be to turn to, for example, the Oakland A's, right, is that so many teams <laughs> still think they're in it because yeah. they are. Yeah. Even if they're not, because they're not good enough, mathematically they are. Like I would say to you, the St. Louis Cardinals, is there maybe the Mets because of the payroll, but is there a greater disappointment in all of baseball this year than the Cardinals? Mets, Padres no, are in that San, San Diego, San Diego to, for me, with because the amount of, of money they've spent. Yeah. 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 That's fair. And, 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 I mean, payroll, yes, but expectation. I mean, go out and go and in the last 12 to 15 months, go out and acquire every young superstar. The trade with the, you know, the the, the trade they did with Washington to uh, that and, you know, having to having to beat the Dodgers. Right. You know, and learning you can't you can't beat the Dodgers. So San Diego for me is at the top of that list. Right. And I, at least with the Padres, and it's not an excuse, but at least with the Padres, I can look at the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, and even the Giants and see respectability within the division. And with the Mets, I can look at, obviously, the Atlanta Braves, the upstart Miami Marlins, and, and the Philadelphia Phillies, World Series finalists last year, for whatever that's worth, playing a little better now around 500, and see some competition within the division. The St. Louis Cardinals, it's inexplicable to me. The Cincinnati Reds may end up being the best story in all of baseball by year's end, but that division otherwise is crap. And, yeah. and so it confuses me to no end. So what I wonder is, are there teams unexpectedly who would be willing to divest? I, you know, the Cardinals, the Jays were often linked with the Cardinals last offseason because St. Louis has a, a glut of outfielders. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a positional need uh, for the Blue Jays because they're quite happy with their outfield defense. But scouring those teams, and, and, and in saying all that, the Cardinals actually mathematically could argue to themselves they're still in it. Yeah. even though I don't think they really are. Well, I think but, there's only like, one team coming out of that central division in the National League. I think I think it's just the, the, the division winner, and, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. and that's going to be Cincinnati, right? Yeah, I, but but I'm talking about from a, from an organizational... From a, trade, from a trade perspective, sure. Organizational yeah. perspective, are we still in denial or not? So I think you got to look well, at... I know, yeah, and it was good. I didn't mean to say, the Mets, 
because of their owner will not fire sale. It's just that's just not they're they're going to try to stay in it as long as possible. So the one thing I am with you, Scott, I think it's a really astute point is there are so many buyers and very few sellers. And you can, if you're the Blue Jays, get into a situation where you're overpaying for a, a, a like sort of a very, very small incremental increase. Uh, well, Richard, one of the names, John, one of the names that, you know, people have sort of like Teoscar Hernandez. Well, okay, but <laughs> check the standings, check the Seattle Mariners and where they are in the West and how they've fared in their last 10 games before the All-Star break. That was a playoff team last year. I know they're not getting Robbie Ray back. But why would the Mariners, why would the Mariners trade pieces away at yeah. this point? See, so that's the complicating factor here. We were talking in May about the idea of Joey Votto getting healthy, right? And could the Blue Jays bring him home if he still had a function and help them as a pinch hitter or occasional first baseman, whatever, get into the playoffs and maybe they raise the piece of metal and, and get, and get rings and all that. Joey Votto ain't going. It's anywhere. not happening now. That's the right. That's not happening. Now. Joey Votto is where he's always been. It's Cincinnati. <laughs> right. right. So like it, it's just the league. It's great. I think I, th I, I am at the, we were risking earlier on sounding like old men yelling at clouds with, with our all-star game takes. I am very pro the expanded playoff format because it keeps more fan bases and quite frankly, more players and teams engaged into September. Like you just play important September baseball, but the one drawback, if you're the rotisserie wire type fan is that there are far fewer teams who are at that point of admitting that it's over come July 31st or August the 1st. I think we're in agreement, though, if the Blue Jays are to have a, a level of improvement, it's at the plate as opposed to on the mound at the deadline, correct? Yeah, but you see, you know, like I'm going to I'm gonna mention one player, Richard. You touched on him um, when you were rhyming some names off. And, and one player and expectation, Dalton Varsho. Dalton Varsho is a very young left-handed hitter who has never hit left-handed pitching well at the major league level, at least to date. Dalton Varsho had a better than 800 OPS on-base plus slugging percentage last year against right-handed pitchers. But if you check his, if you're a nerd like me and are into this stuff and you check his stats, you will see that a heavy component of that eight. 04 or 805 OPS was slug. He was on base like 31.7% of the time, a 317 on base as part of that OPS component against right-handed pitchers. He's not an on-base guy. Yeah. So there's like not quite, but sort of an all or nothing component to Varsho against right-handed pitchers. It's the defense they went and they got, hoping the young player would continue to evolve and emerge offensively, and maybe he is, and that will be reflected in the years ahead. But I think, and it probably had to do with the Gurriel-Mourinho package that the Jays shipped to Arizona to get Varsho, I don't think our expectations were in line with reality when the Jays got Dalton. He's been all that in a bag of chips defensively, expectations realized but offensively i think we let ourselves believe that maybe there was someone there that isn't or that isn't quite yet so, so let me, hold on before you just uh, i mean arizona's in town guriel jr's in town yeah are, are we going to hear a lot of questions about well i'm not sure who won that trade then or <laughs> is this a guriel win the trade yeah, because Gurriel's had an all-star year, so we're going to hear that. Yes, he has. Um, yep. He's been great. And Moreno looks like he's going to be a catcher for the next 10 to 12 years. Here's the one thing I would say, Scott. I agree. I, agree. I think the, the people who thought Varsho is like a 30-30 guy or something like that, I, I don't think he's ultimately going to be that. That said, and this is very important, and I give the Blue Jays front office a ton of credit, I think all three of us have probably watched every game this year or, or close to it. And if you've watched every game this year, you can, and I know there's defensive run save statistics and all that, but just the eye test alone, the Blue Jays outfield has 
kept them, if not won them, a couple of games, just mm-hmm. in terms of not necessarily like the great catch, but the one thing about Varsha that I see every game, he never makes the wrong throw on a play mm-hmm. where I loved Guriel, but he'd airmail it to try to throw somebody out of the plate every time. Those are high. <laughs> like Marshall is such a good fielder in terms of the fundamentals of what he does that I think over the course of a 162 game season, you're going to win one or two or three games from that alone. Combine them with Kiermeyer, who's amazing, and Springer. Like that has worked out well for them. They Absolutely. probably have the best defensive outfield in the American League. What is frustrating, and I'm with you, is that I think Varsho's flaws at the plate get highlighted when Vlad and others are not hitting. You know what I mean? Right. If this guy was like your sixth or seventh hitter and everybody else is hitting, you're like, this guy's awesome. But it gets, high, at least to me, Scott, it gets highlighted when the other guys aren't hitting. That's the problem. And 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 Teoscar Hernandez, obviously not involved in the Varsho-Arizona trade, but in another offseason trade, Jay's got Eric Swanson, the reliever from Seattle. Like Teoscar as an outfield defender was always the guy to me who at some point was most likely to reprise the off of uh, the, the Jose Canseco ball off the top of your head and bounce over the wall home run, right? <laughs> like Teoscar, was, it, it was a, you know, you had to pay to go on the ride at Adventureland anytime a ball was was hit his way. So they have improved that way. To your point, Richard, that's it. My complaint about this offensive lineup is that it's about three and a half hitters deep on any given night. Bo is always one of the three and a half. George Springer has been pretty good since early May after a really lousy start. Whit Merrifield, like Whit Merrifield is fine for me. Whit Merrifield is probably taking on too much offensive responsibility right now, but that's not his fault. It's that the personnel isn't good enough or the lineup it just isn't functioning the way that it should and maybe will. And Vladdy's another one who's in that conversation sometimes, and then he's part of the problem on on other nights. Yeah. They they just that's they've got some tough decisions to make, and the the we know they have been very aggressive in free agency to their credit. Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins through the off seasons of the last three four years. They are typically loath to to make blockbuster trades. And in fact, we know Mark Shapiro lectured Alex Anthopoulos behind closed doors about this right. in September of 2015. They are loath to go big at the trade deadline. My just general optics, it's tough because it looks to me like they've been surpassed by the Baltimore Orioles who had to do a lot of losing to get to where they are now but surpassed by the Baltimore Orioles before they themselves, the Blue Jays, have even won a playoff game in this era. Um, I know the Atkins regime won a few playoff games in 2016, but this is the team that they have built, and they haven't even won a playoff game yet. So it's just optically it's, it's, it's tough right now, and they're in a weird spot. Well, listen, they can be the most exciting team in the American League if they're hitting on all cylinders, then they can be the most frustrating team in the American League when they're not at the plate as successful as we think that they should be. It's a fascinating story. It's one that hopefully for Blue Jay fans will uh, will get settled in the next few weeks. Scott MacArthur, thanks for this. It's great to talk baseball with you. Yeah, if I could just quickly do two things, guys. Plug the Exit Philosophy podcast, Richard Griffin and me. Uh, Exit Philosophy with Griff and Scotty Mack, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Exit Philosophy. And I am one of those middle-aged men who grew up listening to Bob McCowan on the Fan 590. And I had an opportunity once to tell Bob this, so I'm happy to say it publicly. I wanted to be a broadcaster because of Bob McCowan. So I just want to send my love and my very best to him as he recovers. Well said. Well said. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Richard. Back after this. Thanks to Scott MacArthur for joining us. Uh, I, I was going to talk baseball some more, but Richard, then it tweaked me. You're a, you're a TV guy like I am. Actually, we're both nerds about it. Let's be honest. 
Uh, you watched the ESPYs the other night? No. You didn't watch the ESPYs? No. I, I, the ESPYs the are the uh, are an exercise in ESPN self-indulgence. The only, the only saving grace is uh, I do like the awards, and I think they're meaningful, and, and I admire how they've incorporated that. But I, generally speaking, do not agree with the sort of choices made in the awards, John. And the other thing is it just it's just a little I have to live with ESPN every day. It's just a little too much ESPN for me. So I know I don't watch it anymore. Yeah, no, I I I wasn't going to, but um as I mentioned in the opening, there wasn't a baseball game to watch. So which is why ESPN have put it there, because it uh it, it satisfies their I mean, and if you're in the sports world, it becomes a destination for you. Um and and the thing that bothered me, and I, I know I'm as McCowan would call me, I know I'm a hockey puck. I know that I I spend too much time thinking and worrying about hockey. I actually do worry about hockey in the United States. Uh, I do um, worry how successful, and, and I'm hopeful how successful it can be um, in the U.S. But if, if I'm Gary Bettman and I'm sitting at home, first of all, I hope he got an invite, but he didn't go. If I'm Gary Bettman sitting in my house watching them basically ignore the national hockey league for three hours and 20 minutes i'd be livid now i know that there's a i know there's a a need for and and a a requirement of how the awards are given the emotional the jimmy v stuff i I, god bless god bless everything they try to do there and tug at your heartstrings all the time but hockey was an afterthought richard Hockey's they have a business relationship with the National Hockey League, and it was an afterthought. It was it was really, really frustrating and disappointing. I can understand that for a hockey fan. I mean, John, at the end of the day, when it comes to ESPN, like there's the NFL, there's college football, there's the NBA, and there's everything else. Yeah. And and you know what? Uh the NHL, uh, as somebody uh, texted me as the show was going on, it's it was designed for ESPN plus and Hulu. And that's uh, that's that's basically it. Hey, something special on Monday. Speaking of television and hockey in the United States, Paul Bissonnette will uh, will join us on Monday. I I, I guarantee you it'll be uh, it'll be a a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, Richard. You too, John. Richard Deitch, John Shannon, uh, for our producer Hugh McClarty. You've been listening to the Bob Cowan podcast on Sirius XM channel one six seven, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.